Welcome, and thanks for listening to the New Life Christian Ministries podcast. If you'd like more information about New Life or for more podcasts and other media, go to newlifexn.org. Merry Christmas. We're so glad that you're here today to celebrate Jesus' birth with us. Whether you come every week or whether you're here for the very first time, we're just so glad you came. My name's Pastor Chris. I'm the lead pastor here at New Life. And as a church family, we exist to share, grow, and live the new life of Jesus Christ with the world one person at a time. Before we get to the message this morning, I'm going to ask you to do a favor for me. When you came in, on your seat was this survey. Every now and then we do a survey to see what it is that you would like to hear messages about. As it says here, if you could hear a message on any topic from the Bible, what would it be? So you get your chance to write an answer to that question. And what are the biggest struggles you're facing? We did something a little different with the survey this year. At the bottom it says, I am blank years old. Obviously, you don't have to put your name on it. But we wanted to see if there's a difference between, you know, what young people ask, what older people ask, if there's, you know, that way, and also if you're a first-time guest or regular attender. So we're going to take two minutes. There's going to be a timer up on the screen. And at the end of that two minutes, the ushers are going to come forward and collect your survey. So at this time, uh, two minutes of silence, which you're probably not going to get between now and midnight tomorrow night, right? At this time, if you're in this section, if you just pass your uh, surveys to the middle here, if you're in the middle section, just pass them to the middle. And if you're there, pass them to the middle. The ushers will pick those up. Just want you to know that we're actually going to do a series called You Ask For It in January, three weeks of January. So we hope you'll come back to hear the answers to it will be the most frequently asked questions. And then throughout 2018, we're going to use some of your questions as the basis for some message series. So uh, we take these surveys very seriously when we do them, uh, and we want you to know that. Uh, one of the other things you don't really need to know, but I'm an extreme extrovert, and that two minutes just keeps getting longer and longer. Uh, th- th- this is, uh, I guess I have eight minutes of silence now. That's enough to do me for about two months. Anyway, um, we've been in this series called Kingdom Come for five weeks now. And what we've been talking about, what does it mean for God's kingdom to come? And one of the things we established is that God basically told us about his kingdom in the very first book of the Bible, Genesis, in the very first chapter. And in that book, when he created the first two people, he told them they were supposed to be fruitful and multiply and to rule over the earth with him. So he created us to rule the earth with him, even though it's his Even though the whole universe is his, he gave us the opportunity to be co-rulers with him. And basically, we rejected the offer. In fact, we blew up that offer uh, with uh, the idea that we wanted to be the rulers. We wanted to be the king and queen of everything. And that hasn't worked out too well for us. In fact, when we reject God's plan and God's will and God's direction, that's called sin. And while sin is fun for a minute or even for a season, and some people seem to be able to make sin be fun for a whole lifetime, at the end of life, sin is a dead end, literally. Now, when God was rejected, when we rejected God, he didn't reject us. That's the amazing and incredible thing. Because God wanted his kingdom to be part of our reality even after we rejected him. Now, God judges sin because he's just and holy. But at the same time, God has always given mercy and grace to us human beings. And most clearly, we see that through Jesus Christ. And today we're celebrating his birth, or actually tomorrow, but this weekend we're celebrating the birth of Jesus Christ. And it's an incredible idea when you think about it. An incredible can mean amazing or it can mean uh, impossible to believe. It has both meanings. And some people find it impossible to believe that the God of the universe actually became a human being in the baby Jesus Christ who grew up to be the man Jesus Christ. 
But when you accept that as truth, it changes everything. In fact, the kingdom of God came in a person. And that's the take-home point for today. For those of you who come all the time, you know that the take-home point is the one point we make from the Scripture. And we hope that we'll all take it home, that we'll pray about it, that we'll live it out so that we can experience more of the life that God has for us as part of kingdom people. So here it is. The take-home point is Jesus is the embodiment of God's kingdom. If anyone has ever demonstrated what God is like, it's Jesus Christ. In fact, if we took all of recorded history and we took all of the important men and women, and there are probably millions of them that that history has recorded, um, none of them measure up to Jesus Christ. And Jesus, being the Son of God, Um, spoke in a way that nobody else did, taught in a way. He healed people. He raised people from the dead. He cast demons out of people. He just stands alone when it comes to people that have ever lived. Now, a couple weeks ago, Nancy and the girls and I went to see the movie The Star. And The Star is about Jesus. It's a, well, it's really about his birth. It's an animated movie by Sony. And so as all animated movies, most animated movies, it has animals that can talk. And the, the star character of the movie is actually Mary and Joseph's donkey. Um, and uh, his name is Boaz, by the way. If you go and see the movie, what you'll find is this is what captivated me about the movie, is how well they portrayed that the amazing birth of Jesus wasn't all that amazing. In fact, it was sort of hidden, secret. Nobody really knew that Jesus, who was going to be the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, was coming. No, I mean, their wise men are seeking him. The, the King Herod, he doesn't know about it. And even Boaz, who's Mary and Joseph's donkey, he's thinking that he wants to desert them so he can go serve the king. And all the while, he's the one who Mary is riding on and the king of kings, Jesus, inside her belly. And when Jesus is born, finally, Boaz realizes, huh, that's the king, that's Jesus. So it was a, like a secret, almost, when Jesus, the son of the living God, came to earth. And we're going to look at that secret tonight, today. Almost easy to say tonight because it's, you know, Christmas Eve is usually at night, but it's morning here. Uh, so we're going to look at that secret as it was real, revealed to us by Luke uh, in his gospel. And it's in chapter 2, if you want to follow along. Before we turn there, let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for being a loving, caring merciful God. We know that you can't tolerate sin, and that's why Jesus came, so he could die in our place. But today we're celebrating his birth. And I ask God that you would open our hearts by your Holy Spirit, that we might receive your truth, and that most of all, we might receive him into our lives, the kingdom in person. This we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. So in Luke chapter 2, we read this. At that time, the Roman Emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. This was the first census taken when Quirinius was governor of Syria. All returned to their own ancestral towns to register for this census. Luke was a medical doctor, and Luke was one of two of the gospel writers out of the four, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and Mark was the other one, who were were not disciples of Jesus. They weren't there when Jesus was walking the earth and following him as Matthew and John did. In fact, Luke, being a a Greek background or Roman background, he didn't even know about Jesus until after Jesus died, rose from the dead, and went back to heaven. But what Luke wanted to do, we're told in the first chapter of Luke, the first few verses, he wanted to put together an orderly account of all the things that had happened in Jesus' life so that this guy named Theophilus could understand the truth of his faith. 
Now, Luke was very diligent. He interviewed eyewitnesses. He read the accounts that were already written. And, and then under the guidance of the Holy Spirit, he wrote this account. The interesting thing about Luke, being a medical doctor, is he recorded some details that the other people didn't even think were important. One of the important details that we already read about, and you might not have known it was important, is that Jesus was born when Augustus was the emperor of Rome and Quirinius was governor of Syria. What that does, it, re, it roots Jesus' birth in history. Jesus wasn't a legend. He wasn't a myth. He was a real character, and he was born at this time in history, just a little more than 2,000 years ago, when Augustus was the emperor of Rome and Quirinius was the governor of Syria. And the other thing that Luke tells us, another important detail, is that this census that was required by the Roman emperor meant that all Jewish people had to go back to the home of their ancestors to register for, register for the census. That's a very important detail because Mary and Joseph lived in Nazareth in northern Israel. And the Messiah was supposed to be born in Bethlehem in southern Israel, 100 miles away. Now, Mary and Joseph would never have taken a trip to Bethlehem just like for vacation. 100 miles away in those days might have been 10,000 miles away because there's no cars, there's no buses, there's no anything except for donkeys and horses if you were really wealthy or walking. So the reason they went was because they had to. So Roman law is what required that the Messiah, who was supposed to be born in Bethlehem, was, as we see in the next couple of verses. It says, and because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, his fiancée, who was now obviously pregnant. Now, I love the New Living Translation, but I don't love the translation of fiancé there. Because Mary wasn't Joseph's fiance. Mary was actually Joseph's wife, espoused wife, it says in the King James. But according to Jewish law, they were legally married, but they hadn't come together physically yet. So that was the problem. Mary's pregnant, and Joseph isn't the dad. And now the thing is, Matthew chapter 2 and Luke chapter 1 tell us the dad, so to speak, is the Holy Spirit. In other words, when Jesus the son of the living God was born. The reason he is the son of the living God is because his father is literally God. And again, that's another incredible piece of information. Mary was a virgin and she has this baby. And uh, a lot of people don't believe that. But if you believe that, it transforms everything about your life. So then the next thing that we read is that while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her first child, a son. She wrapped him in snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available to them. So the God of the universe sends his only son. And the son is not born in a palace. He's not born in a hospital. He's not even born in the local inn. He's born in a stable. Now, it doesn't say anything about a stable, but it does say he was put in a manger, which is a feeding trough for animals, which are usually located in stables. So a stable is not exactly a place for a king to be born, any king, let alone the king of kings and Lord of lords. So why? Why would God let his only son be born in a stable and placed in a manger? I think the short answer to that question is because the kingdom of God is not like the kingdoms of this world. The kingdoms of this world seek to accumulate land, wealth, power, strength, but the kingdom of God doesn't have any borders. The kingdom of God is across not just this planet, but across the universe, right? And the other thing is when Jesus grew up, he's the king of kings and lord of lords, and here's what he said. The son of man did not come to be served, but to serve. That doesn't sound like a worldly king at all. Worldly kings want servants. 
But Jesus said he came to be servant to give his life as a ransom for many. But I'm getting ahead of the story. Let's go back to what happened that night. It says, that night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified. But the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. Now we're talking, right? There's an angel. Finally, there's something exciting, something that would make you think that God was involved because this angel came. And in the movie, The Star, I don't know what angels look like, but they portrayed the angel as sort of this shimmering, like light, like transparent, you could see through it kind of thing. Might have had wings, couldn't really tell. We don't really know what angels look like, but we do know one thing. They're scary. Angels are very scary because these shepherds, the thing you have to understand about shepherds, they were courageous men. They, they literally were out there in the dark every night and they were guarding their sheep from wild animals and also from robbers. And they weren't afraid of the wild animals and the robbers, but when this angel showed up, it says they were terrified. The Greek says mega phobos. Mega means great, right? Phobos means fear, great fear. They were, they were frozen. And it was a holy fear because the radiance of God shone about them. But the news was incredible. These shepherds heard the news that the Messiah, the long-awaited deliverer of Israel, was born that night in Bethlehem. Now, the thing you need to know about shepherds, another thing you need to know about shepherds is, as the societal totem pole was constructed, the shepherds were on the bottom in Israel. They were considered unclean people because they dealt with animals all the time. Animals are messy and bloody. And so according to the Mosaic law, they were always unclean. They weren't even allowed to give testimony in a court of law. And yet the first witnesses, the first ones who heard the news of God's son being born are these shepherds. Why? We have to ask that question again. And the short answer is, once again, because God's kingdom is different than the the worldly kingdoms of the world because it's for everyone. And what God wanted to remind us by sending his angel to the shepherds and not to King Herod or some other royalty around the world was that he had originally established, established that his kingdom would be for everybody, that all of us would get to participate and rule with him on this planet. And so now what we're finding is the shepherds received the good news of great joy to show us that anyone can be part of God's kingdom. And you might be sitting here today or you might be watching online and you might be thinking, well, not me. Yeah, sure, he's talking about other people, but not me because something I did in my past is so bad God couldn't love me. Or I'm doing something so bad right now in my life that that I'm disqualified. And that's the devil talking. That is not God talking. Because the devil wants us to think that we're disqualified from being part of the kingdom because of who we were or who we are. And the truth of the matter is Jesus came to take care of both of those things in our lives. And uh, after the shepherds saw the birth announcement by this one angel, look what happens next. It says, suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven praising God and saying, glory to God in highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. So I don't know if you realize this. If you look closely, this armies of, of angels were not talking to the shepherds at all. They were talking to God. It said they glorified God, right? And they said, glory to God in the highest. They they were recognizing something. These are angels. These angels are beings that are, you know, above us, above the demons, above the devil. 
And, and, and what they're saying is, God, you're, you're it. You're the top. And so we could just sum it up by saying that God receives glory because he's the only one who deserves it. In our lives, we were created to glorify God and to enjoy God in our lives. And, and that's what we are supposed to do. And that night, that's what those angels did. They glorified God. But they also said something interesting. Peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. Now, is that a trick statement? I mean, with whom is God pleased? I mean, the Bible says there's none righteous, not even one, that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So is God even pleased with anybody? And what happened the night that Jesus was born is the beginning of this reconciliation process whereby everybody could become one with God and, and could receive God's favor and God's peace and God's blessing. Because Jesus would grow up to be a man, and, and this man was different because he's the son of God. He's perfect in every way. His te teaching was always true. And when he died on the cross, his death paid the penalty that I owed and that you owed, the penalty of death because of our sins. And then he rose from the dead so that he could prove the power that he had to establish this kingdom that's ultimately going to be coming that we've been talking about throughout this entire Christmas season. And so it is possible for us to have peace with God because of what Jesus has done. Now, there are many people who think that Christianity is exclusive that, that only a few certain people, select people, can really be followers of Jesus. That's not true at all. What's true is that Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So the door to God is through Jesus. That's what we believe. That's what, the, that's what Jesus taught, and he's the Son of God. And so that doesn't really sit well with a lot of folks these days, the idea that there's an absolute truth bothers some people. The idea that we say that there's only salvation in Jesus Christ bothers other people. And the idea that every religion isn't equal, you know, that bothers a lot of people too. But I want us to think about this for a moment. If there is only one ultimate kingdom, and then that would mean one ultimate king, Jesus, then we will all one day bow before him, either voluntarily or involuntarily. And so God wants to make it possible for us to be part of that kingdom on a voluntary basis through his son, Jesus. So look what happens next. It says, when the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph, and there was the baby lying in the manger. What the shepherds did was very reasonable. After the angels disappeared, they said, hey, let's go see if this is really true. I mean, I don't think they doubted the idea that it was really true. Angels had told them. But they wanted to see the Messiah for themselves. So they ran into Bethlehem. And when they got there, they looked and they found the stable. And there was Mary and Joseph. And there was the baby. Now, every week at the end of the message, we have a commitment. And the commitment gives us something to do after um, you know, we've heard the message because information without application is just information. So we want to have our lives transformed. So we want to do something about it. And I do want to tell you, we're not at the end of the message. Okay. But I'm going to tell you the commitment. Now the commitment is I will engage in God's kingdom this week because that's what the shepherds did. The shepherds heard the message and they immediately did something about it. They ran to Bethlehem. They found Jesus. And I believe when they found Jesus, they worshiped him, but that isn't all they did. Look what it says next. It says, after seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished, but Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them 
often. So who's everyone? Everyone is everyone the, the shepherds could get awake, I think. I mean, I bet you they went and pounded on every door in every house. I bet you that if anybody was out in the streets, they grabbed him and said, hey, the Messiah is right down there in that stable. You can go down and see him. The angels told us about it. Now picture yourself being a resident of Bethlehem that night. And somebody comes pounding on your door in the middle of the night, two or three in the morning, right? Pounding on your door, pounding on your door. They won't go away. So you get up and you walk out and you go, what? And they say, the Messiah's been born. He's down in the stable. Angels told us about it. Now, how do you respond? I mean, it says they were astonished, but how do you really respond? You go, huh, I think those guys have been drinking a little bit too much. Or, or do you actually get dressed and do you go? Because it's easy to be astonished. It's easy to be astonished. What's hard to do is to do something about it. Now, Mary, we are told, she thought about these things. She stored them in her heart. The old King James Version says she pondered them in her heart. Mary had also been visited by an angel. In fact, the angel Gabriel came and told her that she would be the mother of God's son. And she was sort of like at first, she said, but I'm a virgin. It's not possible. And then the angel said what was going to happen. And she said, I'm the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. And so Mary knows that angels talk and, and that now the shepherds have this message. But, but Mary needed to ponder these things and treasure them in her heart because very soon Joseph and Mary and Jesus were going to be refugees in Egypt. They were going to have to leave Israel. They were going to have to go to Egypt, live there for a while. And when they came back, they were never going to be a normal family. It's the Son of God they're bringing up, you know. And one day Mary would see Jesus hanging on a cross so her life was radically different in all of these truths from her life. The angel visiting her, the angel visiting the shepherd, these would keep her going in the midst of everything it meant that she was the mother of God's son. So then it says, the shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. It was just as the angels had told them. Shepherds had quite a night visited by an angel, hearing an angel army singing to God, going and seeing the Messiah, telling everybody about him. And the thing I love, I love verse 20 the most of those 20 verses, and I know it might seem like an afterthought, but what I love is where it says that everything was just as the angel had told them. You see, I've been part of these things where like a vacation, you know, you plan a vacation and you have brochures and you know where you're going and you get there and you go, huh, that's not how it is. You know, the brochure made it look so much better than it was. Or maybe you watch an infomercial and they tell you this thing that you got to have and it only costs three easy payments of $29.95, right? And it's going to change your life. And you get it. And it doesn't even work, let alone change your life. But this says everything was exactly as the angel had told them. They went back to their flocks. They were glorifying and praising God. But here's the most important question from the whole night from the standpoint of the shepherds. What did they do the next day. What did the shepherds do the next day? Did they keep glorifying God the next day? Did they make plans to change their lives? I mean, did their lives radically change because they met the Messiah? Or was it just one of those, whoa, I'll never forget that, and they never forgot it, but they never did anything more? I mean, did their lives change the next day and the next week? Did they engage the kingdom of God for the rest of their lives? Or was it just like that and it was over? You see, we all love the Christmas story. We all love that God came in such humble and almost a pathetic way, right? Because it reminds us that maybe God came for us because he did. God did come for us in Jesus Christ. And it's such a wonderful good news story. But that's just the beginning of the story. 
Because Jesus grew up, and as we've been saying, as we say all the time throughout the year here at New Life, Jesus is the only perfect man who ever lived. Every word that came out of him was the word of God, and so we know the words of God because the four Gospels record them, and we know how we're supposed to live, and we know that Jesus healed people, and we know that he raised people from the dead because of the Spirit of God was in him in a powerful way, and we are told that when we trust Jesus as Savior, meaning he saved us from sin and death, and as Lord... That as king, we could say, that our lives have that same power to live in obedience to him. And, and the apostle Paul probably put it best. He said, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And that's why we were created. We were created to participate in God's kingdom because Jesus told us that after we die to this life, we're going to live forever. And we're either going to live forever in his kingdom or not. But the truth of the matter is God's first plan, which is for us to rule with him forever, is also his finished plan. God wants us to reign with him forever. So are you experiencing that kind of life today? If you are, praise God. If you're not, then I want to invite you to do what Paul the apostle said, to confess with your mouth or agree with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and, and to believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, that this whole account of Jesus' birth and life and death and resurrection and his coming again, it's true. And, and it's absolutely true. And it changes everything forever. So we're going to put a prayer up on the screen. I want to read it first. I want you to see it. It says, Lord Jesus, I admit you are the King of Kings. You brought the kingdom of God in person. Right now, I admit I have sinned against you. I have rejected your reign in my life. I believe you are God. I believe you are the King, and I trust you as Savior and Lord. Forgive my sins and fill me with your Holy Spirit that I may live to your glory and the advancement of your kingdom from this moment. And we could add in Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you've never prayed a prayer like that, if you've never let Jesus be Lord of your life and Savior of your life, today would be a wonderful day to do that, whether you're watching online or whether you're here. So I'm gonna pray that prayer again. And you could pray it out loud and, or silently. God will hear it either way as we uh, give our lives to him. Lord Jesus, I admit you are the king of kings. You brought the kingdom of God in person. Right now I admit I have sinned against you. I have rejected your reign in my life. I believe you are God. I believe you are the king and I trust you as Savior and Lord. Forgive my sins and fill me with your Holy Spirit that I may live to your glory and the advancement of your kingdom from this moment in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, many of us have already done that in our lives. We've trusted Jesus, our Savior and Lord. As we go out, are we going to continue to engage in the kingdom? Tomorrow's Christmas, and it means many different things to many different people, but the most important thing it means is that we can experience the life of the living God in us because Jesus came. When I wrote this message, I didn't know that yesterday morning I was going to get a phone call um, from a person that's part of New Life who is um, actually from the family member, and he's over at Concordia at the hospice right now. And uh, I went and visited him yesterday before the first worship gathering. And uh, as we were sitting there, we had a conversation, and I said to him, are you ready? And he smiled, and he said, I am ready. And he said, and I know what's coming is better, and I'm not afraid of anything. Now, there, there's nothing, there's no better gift in life than that, to know that this life can be changed and redeemed and made whole by Jesus Christ, and then to know that we get to reign with him forever. 
And he, the, the, the guy is not, you know, old. I mean, by your standards, he might be. I don't think he's that old. But uh, he's, he's ready. However old we are, however young we are, being ready for the kingdom of God to come in its fullness is so vital. And so that's, let's pray right now and let's ask God to ensure in each of our hearts, in each of our minds and lives, that we are ready. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for your goodness and love. I thank you so much that you sent Jesus to show us your kingdom in person. I thank you that because of him, his life, his death, his resurrection, we can live this life boldly and humbly, and we can look forward with assurance to living and reigning with you forever. God, my prayer today is for each person who may have prayed that prayer, whether here or online, for the very first time to make Jesus Lord, that you will indeed fill them with your Holy Spirit that they can experience that new life in its power today and tomorrow and next week and all in the year ahead. And God, I pray for all of us who are already serving you, already part of your kingdom, that we might engage your kingdom day by day by day to your glory and praise. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.